The Courage to Lead, episode 110. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week. Um, I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Seth Erickson. Seth Erickson's personality, in particular brand of humor, is the kind that draws people to him. He's a quick thinker with the ability to distill complex ideas into easy to understand information, and he's not afraid to work hard and apply tenacity when needed. Sometimes Seth uses these traits for good, sometimes to go after world domination. But one thing is true above all else, Seth is a born storyteller. At the tender age of four, Seth was baffling his preschool teacher with his vivid imagination. While many kids were naming shapes, Seth told stories with added plot points, built worlds, and introduced characters. This fur for storytelling grew, as Seth did, which is to say quite large. Seth is many things, a barbecue enthusiast, a taco aficionado who can and will make tacos out of anything, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, and a scuba diver. He spent his early years as an illustrator, web designer, DJ, music producer, and recently became an author. However, perhaps most notable is the career path is built by merging aspects rarely found together, business, creativity, and wit. Seth teaches budding business owners one of the most effective communication methods, an art form that has been part of humanity for as long as, well, humans. Storytelling. He believes entrepreneurs will find proving their value to investors in the marketplace easier with the techniques he teaches. So if you're searching for a six foot eight inch globetrotting branding agency owner with a sense of humor to aid in your startup endeavors, look no further than Seth Erickson. Seth, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, man. That intro is long, that, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, I, it's a story, dude. It's a story. Yeah. Now, okay. So explain to me why somebody six foot eight needs jujitsu. Can't you just like stand up and growl or something? Isn't that as effective? Um, well, I, I, so I, uh, I got divorced recently and I was like, I, I need to do something. I need to not sit around <laughs> doing nothing uh, except working on my business. And, um, and so, um, I had a friend who was like, yeah, I do jujitsu. And I was like, oh, cool. Do you still do that? He's like, yeah. And then I show up for the class and he's actually like a second degree black belt and he wow. teaches the class. Like, and I, he was like, yeah, come try it out. And I tried it out and it was really hard and I sucked at it and I got thrown around the map by people like half my size. And I went, I need to learn how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> So Very yeah, cool. that's how I, that's how I ended up there. And, and, and I, I absolutely love it. Um, it is a very physical, uh, sport, but it also requires a lot of, um, dynamic thinking, um, which I think is great, uh, is a great school, a skill to have in general, but also in business, yeah. um, you know, you have to, you know, it really like, you have to put your ego aside because, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm losing, I'm getting tapped out to people who are like half my size, but they're also way more experienced. And, um, so it was a challenge and, and it, it's gotten me in better shape and, and I, I just, yeah, I can't imagine not doing it now. So <laughs> very cool. Good stuff with that. And, and scuba diving we've got in common. I'll, uh, I don't do jujitsu. I've been thrown around a lot by people, but scuba diving, definitely something I've done. Um, 
So yeah, we'll come back. We'll talk about all that stuff, how you got your start and everything like that. But before we get started, I've got some questions that I like to ask each one of my guests. These are questions, uh, listeners, you'll know, these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the mm-hmm. host James Lipton asks these questions of his guests from Hollywood TV, film, stage. And if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. <laughs> so Seth, if you're ready, 10 questions. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Um, I would say my favorite word lately has been no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Having the kids uh, home from school. Yes. Uh, well, uh, you know, I've, I've recently learned, um, learned a lot about setting boundaries and, um, and, and understanding what do I want, what, what's acceptable in my life and, and what is not acceptable. Right. And in setting boundaries, you, you, you start to go, Hey, I want to be treated in this certain way. I want to be in, and I didn't understand that before I actually read a book called boundaries. Um, that was really helpful at kind of like explaining how does this all work? And so what I found was as I started setting boundaries, um, my life got better, my relationships got better, and um, and I started saying no a lot more. Um, nice. And I was always the kind of person that was like, "Go with the flow," you know, be, you know, be easygoing and whatnot. And then you find that like people take advantage of you, or they walk over you, or they expect things that, um, you know, you kind of train them to treat you in a certain way. Right. Um, and so by doing that, like some people started to exit my life. My life got better because of that. Some people started to go okay, I respect that you don't want to do that. So we won't, you know, I won't push on that boundary anymore. And yeah, so that's, that is my current favorite word. That's good though. No, the, I mean, when you can give a good no, it makes the yeses a lot more important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot more meaningful. Good job. All right. What's your least favorite word? Um, can't, I, I would say, yeah. um, you know, I've always been the kind of person who is like, if you have a challenge, try to figure it out. And if you can't figure it out, try to figure it out again. If you don't figure it out again, keep trying to figure it out. Like, you know, granted, there are some things that like are never going to work, but a lot of people just say, I can't do this. I can't do that. And they make excuses and then they end up playing the victim instead of trying to be the victor. So, um, so yeah, can't for the most part annoys me. And also I hear it from my children all the time. We have to have sit down conversations, little, little come to Jesus about like, Hey, this, you should remove this word from your vocabulary. You're smart. You're capable. You can do this, but you need to need to figure it out. And I'm not going to stand here and hold your hand and, you know, tell you how, how smart you are and then not expect you to actually like overcome it and figure it out. Like I will help, but I'm, I'm not going to like put everything on easy mode for you. So exactly. Good job. Um, what turns you on? Uh, well, women generally, uh, um, what, what I think what gets me really excited is, is, you know, when I can help my clients like achieve their goals, you know, they, you know, oftentimes people come to us and they're like, Hey, we have this problem. And then if, you know, if we're the, the right people to help fix that problem, when we fix it, they're so excited. And then it's like, it's like, I want to jump in there and be excited with them. You know, like, I, I love that, uh, that energy, that, that excitement about like overcoming challenges and, and, and different problems and whatnot, which is probably why I don't like that can't work. <laughs> so it kind of all ties together there. It does. Uh, what turns you off? 
Uh, politics, mostly. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> the news, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the news. because there's so much politics and news now. Um, yeah, I, 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 I get really frustrated with all these people like arguing and fighting and dividing themselves amongst each other and creating tribes and you know you're not on my team because we believe this and that and and i just i don't see that as good for humanity in in at any point in history <laughs> that's worked out really well um and so yeah like people start talking politics and i'm like no nope, i don't want to talk politics which is a new boundary that i have discovered exactly <laughs> just say no yeah all right what sound or noise do you love uh what sound or noise do i love um man i i would say the synthesizer it makes so many so many sounds and noises uh i'm a big fan of electronic music i you know was a former rave dj um so i just love electronic music and i and so that is a sound that i always gravitate towards i always gravitate towards that style of music and there's so many different genres within the music that mm -hmm. it's just so diverse you know so yeah Cool. What sound or noise do you hate? Whining, <laughs> <laughs> which is also ties into the news and the politics. Yeah, so. definitely. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite curse word? Uh, well, I think I was supposed to go with rhymes with uh, duck, truck, buck, <laughs> muck. <laughs> All the above. Yes. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, okay. Well, there's probably a couple. Um, I've always kind of been in interested in food. Like I love cooking. So opening a restaurant sounds exciting, but I know that like restaurants are really difficult <laughs> and, yeah. and, and a lot of people go into that business and fail. Um, also, I don't know. Uh, something in movies. Like I just, I'm a, huge movie fanatic so i don't know if it would be screenwriting or acting or directing um just something that that like was a part of that and um and i've actually worked on a student film i was i was actually cast as a monster surprisingly at six <laughs> foot eight so um uh and that was a lot of fun just to kind of like hang out on set and and see how they did special effects and all this different stuff i mean it was really low budget but uh it was cool so very cool very cool. All right. What profession would you not like to do? Oh, uh, there's, there's a lot of those. I mean, um, I don't know. Uh, I've never thought about that. Cause I've like, I've always been kind of on my path and, and, and always been kind of doing, doing the thing that I wanted. So I don't really think a lot, think too much about like what job would I not want to do? Oh, I know. I got it. Uh, construction, being a construction worker. My father was a construction worker and that's why I ended up becoming an artist apparently. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, that's it. Like I, I did a lot of that stuff. Like when I was a kid, I, yeah. you know, help my dad like lay tile and get up on roofs and, you know, frame up, you know, houses and stuff like <laughs> bang my fingers and, mess up my hands. It, it was, it was hard work. Like I, I respect those guys that, that get out and do that for sure. Um, it's just not, not, not me. So <laughs> that's good. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, 
I, you know, like, I mean, there's the, what is the, the, the famous quote? Well done, uh, good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that honestly, that would be good enough for me, you know, like, <laughs> or something along the lines of, Hey, you didn't suck as bad as you thought you did. <laughs> that would be fine too. <laughs> that would be good too. Absolutely. All right. Seth, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start, um, how you got interested in the psychology of the mind and your book, How to Hack Humans. All right. We'll talk about that and more stuff coming up. So listeners, stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. All right, and I'm back with my guest, Seth Erickson. Seth, thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Um, So tell me how you got your start. You say you, uh, you started telling stories as a kid. Did that always interest you? Um, well, so yeah, I started telling stories as a kid and I, as a kid was also obsessed with movies. Um, but in my mind, uh, that never was really a, a, a viable path, right? Like, um, I never was like, I want to go to Hollywood and act in a movie or, or whatever. I, I just was like, I really appreciate the art form. Um, and so I ended up, um, in high school because I was six, eight, like I was really into basketball. My parents told me I couldn't have a job because basketball was my job. So I ended up, uh, spending a lot of time when I wasn't playing basketball or doing schoolwork drawing. And I would, um, I would get comic books. I didn't even read the comic books. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would get comic books and then sit down and try to copy what I was seeing, uh, like on a cover or in a, in a certain frame. And I, so for a while I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a comic book artist. And because I had developed my illustration skills, I ended up meeting a guy who ran a t-shirt company and he said, you should draw some illustrations. And then I did an illustration and he paid me $200. $200 and I thought, I'm rich. Like, this is more <laughs> money than I've ever seen. Nice. <laughs> like, um, and so that kind of took me down the path of, of going, huh, well, maybe I can make money doing this. And, and so I sold a few more designs to different t-shirt companies. And that kind of started my entrepreneurial journey. And then um, after high school ended, I had a ton of offers to go play basketball at a bunch of colleges. And I was just like, I don't like basketball anymore. It's just a full-time job and I'm not enjoying it. Like I did when I started. So I decided to go to art school, which every parent is like, that is the best decision ever. You should totally do that. No, I was like, why, why you have like full ride scholarships. <laughs> You're going to go to art school. Are you crazy? Um, yeah, my parents weren't thrilled about that, but I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm old enough to make my own decision. So I went to art school. I actually went to go for 3D animation because again, movies, I was like, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to become a 3D artist. Then I can work in the movie industry. Well, funny thing happened. Uh, I suck at 3D. Like I'm so bad <laughs> at it. Like I spent like days on projects and my teacher would look at it and say, what did you spend 20 minutes? And I was like, no, I, I, I was up for two days straight trying to make that object. And they're like, oh crap, man. Like you're, 
you, you, you're not going to be good at this. I'm sorry. You know, have you ever thought so, of basketball? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, if I tried to make a basketball, it would have been like, deflated, no, I'm saying, you know, <laughs> yeah, have you ever thought of maybe making a career out of basketball, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what ended up happening was, um, a friend of mine, uh, he was in, so that, so my associates is in digital animation and production. And that was all the 3d stuff. So I learned all the, all the 3d packages and all, all the stuff and, and then sucked at it. I barely made it through. And then for my bachelor's, a friend of mine was in, um, interactive design. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe I should try that. So that ended up getting me into web design and then kind of started my career there. Um, and then I guess jump forward several years, grew the web design business. We had 22 people. We won, uh, you know, a bunch of awards, including a Webby award. But the issue that I ran into was that, um, we clients would hire us, we would do the work for them. And then I would ask him, Hey, did you get more sales? Um, no. Well, what about like signups for your newsletter? No. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but, but like, I'm not actually helping you move the needle in your business. And they're like, well, no, but the design is amazing and we love it. And we're really happy with it. You know, like, and I was like, no, I'm not making the kind of impact I want. Like to a certain degree, it was like, get really good at design. Design changes the world. You know, you come out of school and you're like design, design, design. And then I was like, but there's something missing here. And so that's when, uh, I started to try to kind of figure myself out and I was talking to different people. And, um, my friend who was the head of global branding for GoDaddy said, dude, you're a storyteller. Every time I talk to you, you have a story. He's like, I think you should read this book called story wars by Jonah Sachs. And so I read the book and it was like, I got struck by lightning and I was like, this is what I want to do. And so I, it was like, I did design because I was good at it and people paid me money for it, but it wasn't my passion. And, and that was like an interesting kind of turning point in my story, if you will, of going, I thought I was a designer, but now I'm realizing I'm a storyteller. And that's when, when I started getting into story, um, like all these things came up, like, I'd be in school and I would write, you know, papers where the teachers were like, your grammar sucks, but this is an amazing story. <laughs> it's like, I was like, oh, okay. So I would, uh, I would do fairly well. Um, you know, like I'd get a B, but the paper looked like somebody, you know, had stabbed it to death. Like, yeah. uh, and so, um, and then, you know, I, I talked to like, my mom. And I was like, I think I'm going to do the storytelling thing. And she's like, well, that's really interesting. And she told me the story about when I was younger about going to the school and the teacher actually met her at the door and she thought I had done something wrong because oh. that's just the kind of kid I was. Yeah. And she pulled her aside and was like, your son has done something we have never seen any kid do. And I, she was like, I've been teaching for like 10 or 15 years. Like usually they, so they put these three panels down and they asked the kids, what do you see here? And the kids just basically describe what's in the image. There's a rabbit. There's a stick. The bear has a stick. What do you think happened? I think the rabbit gave the bear a stick or the, you know, like, and I'm like, the rabbit's name is Teddy. The bear's name is, you know, so-and-so they're going to go down to the lake later and play. And then they're going to have a sleepover. And then their friend porcupine's going to roll up, you know, like I just started adding all this stuff. And they were like, they were like, we've never seen that. Like that is very unusual, but nobody was like, we should capitalize on this. We should develop this talent. Like it was just innate or, (laughs) you know, or latent talent. So, um, 
So that's why in 2015, when I started reading this book, you know, by Jonah Sachs, I was like, this is amazing. And holy crap, I need to read, you know, Joseph Campbell. And I need to read this thing and this thing and this thing. And then I just started consuming uh, tons of books on the subject, anything I could get my hands on, on Audible. Um, I read over 50 books in one year. And then in those books, they started talking about neuroscience. Mm -hmm. Um, not all of them did, but some of them did. And I was like, well, what's the literature on that? That sounds really interesting. I like brains. (laughs) So, uh, so I read, um, between articles and research papers, probably several hundred, um, you know, documents or, or write-ups on the, on the subject. And I was like, well, this is fascinating because, um, it's not just like, and that's why, like with the book, I wanted to start the book with that because it was like, this isn't my opinion, right? Like this isn't me just coming up with a theory. Here's what the science tells us. This is why you should use storytelling because it does all this weird, crazy, amazing stuff in the brain. So that's what, yeah, that's what you, uh, we talked about this earlier before you're on the, on the show Mm -hmm. is that when you're telling a story, your brain reacts as if you're in the middle of the act that's going on. But what happens to the listener when you're telling that story? Yeah. So, um, so essentially the brain goes into a simulation and, um, the, the short answer is, so the simulation is we, we recreate what you're talking about in our head. And then we, and then the brain puts us in that situation and, and tries to answer, what would I do in that situation? And we learn from other people's situations by putting ourselves in that situation and then having that experience internally. So, um, so that happens when you read books, when you watch movies, when your friends tell you stories, as long as they're engaged, right? Mm-hmm. If they're, if, if you're like half listening or whatever, like you're not really going to build that simulation, but if you're really engaged and you're like, I really, this is a really interesting story. I really care about this person. Yeah. Then the brain will start creating that. And that's so that, that we can basically pass information. It's a way of passing information and learning from one another. Um, but yeah, like, so you see this happen in, in like movies, you'll go in, into a movie and then you'll be like, man, that was two hours. Right. And yeah. then that's because you're engaged in that story. Other movies, you're like, that was only two hours. <laughs> <You know? Right. laughs> like, half, like, half my life is gone. Yeah. 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 So, um, so a lot of times, uh, when you're coming out of a movie like that and you're like, that was only two hours. It was because a lot of that time, even though you're paying attention, you were building that simulation. You're like, what would I do if the villain, you know, blew up the Nakatomi tower or whatever. Like, how would I respond to that? Like you're sitting there running through all these kind of scenarios and simulations in your brain. So yeah, it's a, it's really fascinating, but it's fascinating stuff. Like, you know, you were saying when, uh, when you're telling somebody a story, the synapses in your mind are firing off in certain patterns, they're engaged with you. Their brains are doing essentially the same thing, right? Yes. Firing yeah. Off very similar patterns. Yeah. So there's a study they did where they, they found that um, a storyteller and a listener, the brain waves actually start to sync up nice. at the same, uh, they're, what are they? Uh, there's like a kind of a frequency to them and they, they, they sync up over time. And they did this study with, a, I can't remember. It was a pretty large audience, like 500 or a thousand. And they had a, a storyteller tell a story. And then over time, they just watched each one of the people in the audience start to sync up with their yeah. brain waves. Cause they had them all hooked up to machines so they could see this. And it's like, well, that seems like a really good way to get and capture people's attention Absolutely. so they hear you and listen to you and remember you. <laughs> Absolutely. And you go into that into the book. Um, yes. So you, you yeah. like working with, with startups mainly. Yes. Right? 
Why startups? Yeah. Uh, I think part of it is, is uh, it's, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time and also I have this kind of, uh, my personality is, is somewhat, somewhat the rebel, somewhat Loki-esque. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I find a lot of people in that industry uh, well, not all people in that industry, but you find a lot more people in that industry that are like bigger risk takers. They want to change things. They have a vision for the future. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of drawn to those people. Whereas like engineering, not so much like, uh, I like engineers. I don't have a problem with them, but like, they think very like methodically and, yeah. um, they're very, very detail oriented. And I'm like, I like the guys that are like, you know, here's the big vision. This is what we're trying to do. Um, cause I'm that kind of person. So it's, so part of it is just personality. Um, but also, you know, we've worked with over a hundred startups and I'm like, there's, there's, there's a lot of amazing people and I don't like seeing them fail. Like it sucks, you know, that the startup fail, failure rate is 90% because frankly, I've worked with over a hundred and I've seen 98 of them fail. One wow. had an exit and one had a hostile takeover. So I'd say 99 out of a hundred actually have failed wow. <laughs> at least with the ones that we've worked with. And it's, it's for a variety of different reasons, but the biggest one is always um, not being able to prove the value to the marketplace or yeah. to investors, right? Cause sometimes you need investors to, before you can even go to the marketplace. And, and so how do we fix that? How do we improve that? And that's, as I started learning about storytelling more, it was like, this is a better way to connect with humans at Absolutely. a deeper level. So let's apply this and all yeah. the science to that, to that. So, and so do you do like uh, one-to-one -one type coaching? Do you group, do group coaching webinar type things? How do you, how do you teach your, your yeah. So, uh, well, so obviously the book is one way, um, you know, our, our whole goal is to figure out how to reduce the startup failure rate by at least 10%. Um, and I know I, that's not going to happen today or tomorrow, but so when I started to think about that, it was like, well, we can work with startups directly, but how can we influence more people? How can we help more people? And so the book was, was one of the ways of doing that, um, being on a, on a podcast like this so that people can hear my, my, our, my message, our message, right. I guess. Yep. Um, and then go, oh, maybe I should check out that book. Right. Like, but yeah, we work with, with clients one-on-one, -on -one. we help them build. So what I like to say is you have your brand. Um, and then at the center of your brand is your story. And at the center of the story is your customer. And so we need to build a, str a strong story so that, um, so that not only does your, your customer see themselves in that story, but also your brand has a way of differentiating themselves in the marketplace from others. Right. And cause a lot of people don't tell stories. They talk about features and they talk about, yeah. You know, um, yeah. I did a webinar a uh, couple, couple years ago, I think. Um, and I called it, um, who do you think you're talking to? Because so many businesses spend so much time and so much web, uh, space, right. Real estate talking about themselves. Yes. Here's yeah. who I am. Here's everything I know, everything I've done, every certification I've had, you know, my granddaddy started the business. We've been in the same location a hundred years. It's like, none of that matters if you can't connect with right. that customer, if they don't know that, you know, their problem and have a solution, none of that stuff really matters. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that was actually a big point that Jonas Sachs made. Um, I know, uh, Donald Miller is probably more famous for saying, you know, you're the hero, not, not the guide, but that was, that was something Jonas Sachs said in his book in 2015. He said, you're the mentor, 
-hmm. and you have solved the problem and you need to guide your customer into, into that solution. Don't try to be the hero in, in their story. Um, but like I said, I, I think more people have probably read Donald Miller's book. So they, yeah. they, they attribute it to him, but um, they're both right is, is really, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the point, um, you know, like we are all heroes in our own journey. We're all self-interested. It is how humanity has continued to survive and thrive. And, and so, yeah, so companies start thinking about themselves and then they want to talk about themselves. And then customers are thinking about themselves and they're like, you know, they want somebody to talk about them and their problem, right? And the only reason a business, any business exists is because it solves some problem, whether it's a big one or a small one, like you're always solving a problem. So if you're not communicating what the problem that you solve is, how you do it, how it benefits the customer, then you just look like everybody else and you're forgettable. Like, exactly. So. Exactly. Um, so your book, the title is How to Hack Humans. And one thing I really appreciate it is your book comes with a soundtrack. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's that former, former DJ and also movie fanatic thing. Uh, I was like, well, if a movie can have a soundtrack, why can't a book have a soundtrack? Yeah. And yeah, so I, I have all kinds, like some stuff is, is people will know. And then there's some stuff that people are like, I've never heard of this. And what I try to do was either match the tone of the chapter with the music or, uh, or something, uh, or what, what's being said in the words of the song to match what, um, what, you know, what the chapter is talking about. So, um, yeah, like the introduction, I was just like, yeah, welcome to the jungle sounds, sounds appropriate. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I, the chapter I talked about human bias, uh, you know, I was like sabotaged by Beastie Boys. That's perfect. You know, like, so it was a, it was actually a, a fun experiment and it's, it's actually a lot of people have really appreciated it. And yeah. I'm like, okay, next book, another soundtrack. Here we go. Absolutely. No, <laughs> I think it's good. And with audible, that would be cool too, you know, to be able to listen to the music or have it going in the background as you're going through. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, I can't put it unfortunately in the book because the royalty rights would be outrageous, uh, but, uh, but you know, you can link to it and, and I've already gotten some feedback where like a couple of people got the book and they were like, Hey, you should put the QR code so I can just scan this with my phone and then I can listen to it on my phone. And I was like, Oh, right. Okay. So, so getting that, you know, I like, I'm already improving the process there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good stuff. And then you talk about the brain as a computer. And I think that's something that, that people do forget. But what I loved about the quote, your quote out of the book, the brain is a computer, emotions are the operating system, and storytelling is the language to write the programs. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, well, I wanted to analogize it in a way, especially because so many of the startups, not all the startups are tech, but a lot of them are. And so mm-hmm. I was like, what, what's an analogy that's going to help them understand where I'm coming from in a way that will be easy to digest. Right. And so, so if you, so I wanted to mirror it in a way that the syntax would be like, oh, this thing is like that thing and Mm. I get it. Right. And so, um, so yeah, like I, you know, I give a a bunch of different um, in the book, different analogies, like, you know, we have short-term and long-term memory. Well, it's like Ram and a hard drive. We have Mm. biases. Well, those are firewalls, right? Like it's like, we as the creators are recreating ourselves in, yeah. in the work that we, we make. So it, it makes sense that like, there's all this stuff that's kind of similar to the way the 
the, that the brain works is also similar to how a computer works. Yeah. And so. every decision we make is an emotional decision, right? If, in business, yes. they don't like to think that way. <laughs> they don't like to think that their decisions are, are based on emotion, but they really are. Yeah. So if you can tap into the emotion, you've got a better chance of getting the, the reaction and the result that you're looking for. Yeah. I think, I, I think in the book, I made the point, like, you know, I was kind of, kind of poking fun at the, at, at the people reading it going, so you're super rational, right? Well, yeah. It's like, well, then why did you pick an industry that has a 90% failure rate? Like, that's not rational. <laughs> that's like going to the casino and going, well, my odds are one in 10, uh, you know, I really want to do this. It's like, that's not a rational decision. That's like, right. <laughs> Absolutely. And so the, the neuroscience, just as you're reading the different books that kind of resonated with you or, or intrigued you and, and you started diving deeper. Yeah. I just, I wanted to, to, like, it was like, I was all in on storytelling, right? Because I, you know, am a natural storyteller, but I wanted to understand, well, how does this work? Like what, what are the mechanics behind, um, you know, behind this? Because, uh, you know, there are lots of things that, that happen and work, but like, you don't necessarily know how they work or why they work, you know? And so, I wanted to dig into that part and go, okay, what, what's going on in the brain? And, oh crap, there's a lot of research on this. Um, so let's figure this out. And honestly, like, if you just read the book, I, I will have saved you hundreds of hours of boredom, like <laughs> by avoiding all, all the research papers on, on the topic. I just, and there were more, there were, there's actually even more stuff that I was just like, I don't want to overload people. Like, let's just get to some like key points that like, you can go, okay, I get it. Like, hopefully this guy knows what he's talking about <laughs> yeah. and, and the science is proving this out. And that's why it makes sense to, to, uh, to, to continue learning about this as opposed mm -hmm. to going, Oh, that's just an opinion. This guy's blowing smoke. He's come yeah. up with some wacky theory on his own or whatever. And it's like, no, no. you lay the foundation at the beginning. Here's yeah. the, the science behind all of this. So now this is why I say, go do X, Y, and Z. It makes a lot yeah. more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried to break the book up into three acts. Like, how does this, you know, what is the science? Okay. Now you understand the science. How do you tell a good story? Okay, great. I understand that. Now, how do you actually apply it? Right. Like, cause that's one of my big gripes about business books is they'll talk a lot of theory and then it's like, well, how do I do it? Well, you have to hire me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like the whole book is an ongoing pitch for their services and whatnot. And I'm like, I tried not to do that. I tried, tried to just kind of like put it in one chapter and then I made a joke about it somewhere else and just tried to like, be like, Hey, you don't have to hire me. You can go apply this stuff right now. Like, yeah. and, and guess what? Like if people do that and they, they steal my stuff or whatever, I honestly don't care because that's, that's what it's there for to help people reduce. And, and then by doing so reduce that failure rate. So yeah. no, and I like the book. It's real conversational. It's like, you're just <laughs> sitting there kind of chatting and stuff with the, with the jokes and everything like that is good. So why are patterns so important in storytelling? And is there a specific pattern that, that uh, we should get used to telling. Yeah. So, um, you know, so the hero's journey is, is the most popular kind of pattern. Um, and the reason being is that like Joseph Campbell, well, and a bunch of other people kind of started pulling all these stories together from different cultures that literally were came and went thousands of years apart from each other and in completely different parts of the world. Like there's no way these people talk to each other, but yet they kept telling stories in the same pattern, which is what Joseph Campbell popularized the idea of the hero's journey. So it's like, so there's something here. If all these people who have never met are telling stories in the same way, 
And, and basically, you know, it's, you know, like the way I describe it is like, we all go on our hero's journey. Like we all understand the ups and the downs and the, the struggle and the triumph and, and the setbacks and, and having villains in our life, whether it's, you know, a, a, a parent or a school bully or, a, you know, a nemesis at work or whatever, right? Like we, like, and so, um, so that, that is the most uh, widely used pattern. And frankly, you know, we see a lot of movies in Hollywood that follow that pattern. Star Wars follows that pattern. All the Marvel movies follow that pattern. They're incredibly successful. Why? Because we all go, oh, that's a pattern I'm familiar with. I recognize it. I understand it. You get a lot of movies that don't follow that pattern and they try to like mess with, with the recipe. And then it's like, this movie sucks. Why is this so boring? I don't like this person. I don't like that character. <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, and honestly, like the new Star Wars is, is a, an ex- is a class example of, you know, not having the hero's journey really in the story in the right way. Um, you know, Ray's character really doesn't have much struggle. She doesn't really have much to overcome. She picks up a lightsaber, defeats the villain by the end of the, of the thing. And it's like, there was no, there was no dynamic arc yeah. to make us care about that character, understand her struggle besides the fact that she grew up without parents. And that was like really at the beginning of the movie. And then the rest from there is like, she's just kind of off to the races. And, yeah. and so it made her um, not as interesting of a character as she sh- should be or could be, you know, and people like, you know, people complain and they're like, Oh, you know, it's cause she's a woman. It's like, no, she's a poorly written character. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, Sarah Connor is, mm-hmm. is a character that goes through the hero's journey and she's amazing. So is Ripley from aliens. Yeah, she goes yeah. through that hero's journey several times you know like, yeah and yeah. and you're always like yeah because she is a real person who has real struggles i mean um you know die hard bruce willis's mm-hmm. character he's just try, you know he's just there trying to get his wife back like right. he doesn't want to deal with with freaking terrorists and and all this drama like he's like but that you know he's got to go through that and he's got to go through the trials and tribulations and and we need to be able to see that humanity and, and see that struggle. And, and, and then we, as, as, as people identify with that and we're like, oh yeah, I've totally w- walked on broken glass after somebody right. tried to mow me down with a machine gun. It sucks. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, you know, but, <laughs> but like we connect to that and that's where, right. you know, like I was talking about like mirror neurons, like we um, you know, we have these, these neurons that are specifically allow us to, to, to basically have empathy, to feel what other people are feeling. And so that's another thing that movies and stories do. It's not only are you building a simulation, you're also, um, uh, the mirror neurons are firing and feelings are being attached to that. And that's really important because when feelings start coming into play, then things move from short-term to long-term memory. Things become more memorable. Uh, They become more real to us because we've run that simulation and we had those feelings. So yeah, I mean, it's like, dude, I could go on <laughs> <laughs> for the startup company. How do you, how do you get them to, to change their story? If, if you work with a startup company that they're all, all about me, everything that I know and everything that I can do, how do you get them to take a step back and tell the story of their customer? Yeah. So, so a lot of times it's, it's coming in and, and educating them on what story is, how it works, why it's effective, right? Like there is an education process and, and what I tell them you know, quite often is, look, I, I get it. You went to school or you've been working on this thing and that has been your sole focus. You didn't stop and go, 
I need a marketing class. I need a communications class. I need a branding class. No, you were, you were honing your skills and, and that's great. But now that you have this thing that you've built, this idea, whatever it is, you need to communicate it in, in a way that other humans understand you. And it's like, so that's where story comes in. I'm basically trying to help them bridge the gap in, yes, I have this thing. It's amazing. And yeah, like there's so many pitches where, you know, founders come in and like, I've got this amazing idea. And then they talk about the idea or talk about themselves instead of positioning it in, this is how I saw this, you know, I saw this problem in the marketplace. Here's what that problem is causing. Here's how we can fix it. And, you know, like there's a whole order of operations thing. Um, I told the guy who was doing a pitch one time, um, actually this was one time, this was like a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know, cause he wanted to tell his story. Like he wanted to talk about himself. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, you're the end credits. Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, nobody cares about you right. <laughs> until they care about the movie. Right. Like, so I said, your story is important, but it, but it, your order of operations is all wrong. Like t- talk about the problem, get them engaged at an emotional level. Once you have that buy-in, then they're going to ask you more about the technical side. You've got mm-hmm. that covered. You know, all the technical stuff. You can talk about that. Then towards the end, you can say, and here's why I came up with the solution. And they're going to be much more interested in you at that point, because you've already hooked them with a story that is about a problem that they can see and understand and, and connect with. So, um, so anyway, I don't know. There's just an example. <laughs> no, that's, that's perfect. But then you say you have to, that has to translate into the website too. Cause so many people look for a solution on the web first and then decide whether they're going to contact that company. So whatever yeah. that story is, has to translate into the website, right? Right. Like, yeah. And, and what you see a lot of times is, is like, I mean, since I've worked in advertising, I see like these beautiful websites and it, it'll be like, we're creative, we're cutting edge, you know? And it's like, that's all about you. Like, how does that tell me how you're going to use that to solve my problem? Right? Like maybe I, maybe I don't need creative. Maybe I just need good enough. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it, help me understand what kind of problem you solve. And then I can determine if I'm the right fit for you, but instead they're just like, we're award-winning. We have amazing customer service. And it's like, yeah, I, you know, I gave, gave the analogy in the book. It's like, you know, you meet somebody for the first time and all they do is talk about themselves. And it's like, it's really annoying. Like you want to have a conversation between two people and not have yeah. one monopoli- monopolize the conversation. And, and so if I, you know, can get you to tell a story, then you will want to give your attention as opposed to me shouting at you, what I think you should be doing. Yeah, exactly. That's a very different conversation. <laughs> you have very different conversation. So um, let's talk about courage. Um, where did you find the courage to kind of branch out on your own? to do your own thing. It, you could have easily found a job in just web development and stuck there and, and did that, but you decided to kind of go out on your own, right? Uh, yeah, I actually, uh, so it was kind of a, it was kind of a funny situation. I got fired uh, from an amazing job at a really great company. Um, and it was, it, it was kind of a, it was kind of like, what do I do now? And I was like, well, I, I freelanced in the past and I've done this thing and that thing. I, I, I was freelancing as a web designer before I got this job. And, um, and this was my dream job. I was like, I want to work for this company. They are cutting edge. They're creative. (laughs) 
And uh, I, I got, well, I wasn't fired. I was let go. Right. Like there was like budgets got slashed for like this customer. They were told they had a blank check and then it didn't. Uh, and then they didn't have a blank check anymore. And so they hired me thinking that they could, you know, sustain me, but I learned a lot. And then I said, well, I've done this before I can do it again. And so, yeah, that's, that was 2004, 2005. And then, yeah. And then 10 years later, like we had grown the company to 22 people. So, um, that was the impetus for it, but where did, where did you find that courage? Cause for a lot of people, they, that's too scary for them to say, I'm going to go out on my own, start my own. Well, yeah. So part of it was, I, I never liked working corporate jobs. Like I just, I like, I was miserable in that job. Like it was my dream job. I, I totally wanted it and I got it. And then, and then I found myself working like crazy long hours and I was, um, <laughs> starting to drink heavily to sleep at night because I was stressed and, uh, and overtired. And, um, and it just, it wasn't a, a good fit. And I'd had several other jobs in the past. I worked like as an IT guy and, um, and every time it was just like, I'm not, I don't fit in here is kind of the feeling that I had. And I was like, and, and so, yeah. So when I got let go, it was like, um, it was kind of like, well, I don't want to go back to that. And so I want, but I want to go forward. And I just kind of, it was kind of a burn the boats moment. Like, you know, like I'm not going back to corporate. Um, and, and yeah, so I just kind of was like, I, you know, I can't keep doing what I'm doing and I need to do something different. And so I felt a little bit like pushed into it. Um, <laughs> but really it was an opportunity. Um, at the end of the day. I mean, that's how I, that's how I look at it. But, um, you know, I just, I, I had to go, you know what, you're smart, <laughs> you know, like you're smart enough, you're good enough and gosh, darn it. People like you. So, there you go. <laughs> um, so, so I just had to, you know, I just had to kind of go, all right, you've, you've bet on other people and this didn't work out so great. So now you get to bet on yourself and let's see what happens. And so, mm-hmm. That's, so far that, it's worked out, right? Yeah. I am not complaining at all. Like, um, you know, there's ups and downs, right? It is the hero's journey. So yes. one day you're storming the castle and the next day you're locked up in the dungeon. But, um, but it's, it, you know, I, I have a lot more freedom than I would if I, you know, was, had a, had a corporate overlord. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So is there a type of courage you think is important for entrepreneurs? Um, yeah, I think it's uh I think it's the resilient type, you know? Like okay. I I gave the analogy one time to, to somebody. I was like, you know, being in a startup's like like when you're starting, especially if you're bootstrapping, it's like you, you kind of have to be like a cockroach. Like people aren't going to believe in you. They're not going to, you know, they may not give you money. You have to kind of scrounge and and scavenge for every little thing. And there's going to be people who come along and they try to stomp on you by saying your idea is stupid or Mm -hmm. they don't believe in you or whatever. And it's like, you have to have like a resilient type of courage. That's like, you know what I, you know, I will survive, you know, and, and, and I will, I will figure this out and I will continue at it until, until I do. So, um, so that's, I guess that would be my answer is a resilient type of courage. Absolutely. Um, and then how many people do you have working for you right now? 
Actually, we are, uh, we're down to three. We were, okay. like I said, we were 22. And then um, with all the changes and everything, um, we ended up kind of having to go, we don't need these services. We don't need these services. We don't need this. We don't need this. Yeah. And yeah, so we shut down. We had two offices and um, and just got really compact and really focused on what, what, what we were doing. That's the we, name of the game though. That's what I'm yeah. teaching my clients. Simplify, you know. Yeah. Focus on those that 20%, because right, the 80-20 rule, 80% of your mm -hmm. revenue comes from 20% yeah, of your customers. Yeah. yeah. Focus on that 20%. Good job. Yeah. So we yeah, before we were like a general web design company. And now we're more focused on the storytelling and branding aspect. Um, we still do web design because that supports the brand, yeah. but yeah. um, but the focus is more like startups. Whereas before we worked across, was it 42 different industries? We just wow. kind of, we were basically web design prostitutes. It was like, you got money. <laughs> Great. We'll, we're here. we'll hook you up, you know, <laughs> like, and, and so, yeah, part of it was, you know, going, like I said, going down that storytelling route and then going, you know what, we don't need all this overhead. We don't need this, you know, these two offices, we don't need all this stuff. We need to just go duck and help people. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. so. <laughs> so for the 22 that used to work with you and the, the people that are currently working with you and stuff, if I was to bump into any of these folks on the, on the road and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What type of leader are you? Um, I guess it depends on who you ask. Like one person might tell you I'm crazy. Um, you know, another, I mean, I had different relationships with all, all of the people that I worked with. I mean, at the end of the day though, like I always tried to support my people. Like I had one guy who came to me and he said, I, I got this really great opportunity to do Russian language stuff at ASU. And I said, dude, you should go do that. Like, he was, he was actually one of our SEO guys. And I was like, don't stay here just because we're paying you go there because that's something of interest, you know, like, so I, I don't know, like I always got in the trenches with my guys, you know, like if there was a big project or whatever, I didn't stand around with a whip and hit them with it. It was like, Hey, where can I help out? Like, I still know how to design <laughs> so I can, I can get in and help out with, you know, this thing and that thing. Um, I don't know. That's what I would hope, but you know, they may be like, that guy was a bastard. <laughs> like, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I just won't talk to those people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> talk to the rest of them. Yeah. Very cool. So what's next for you? I mean, you've got the book, you've got the company going. What's yeah. Next? Um, so next year, uh, working on the auto version. Okay. Well, I'm not working on it. It's, it's, it's a thing I need to work on. <laughs> let, let me be more specific. <laughs> Uh, I've already started outlining my second book, um, which is called going to be called branding for humans. And okay. I've also started the soundtrack for that, for that next one. Nice. Uh, uh, and, um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping early, early Q1, I will be doing, um, my first Ted talk or TEDx talk. Very cool. So yeah, I'm trying to continue to, you know, uh, build a bigger stage so that, you know, the more people I talk to, hopefully the more people I can help. Um, nice. like I never saw myself being like the guy who does a podcast or the guy who wrote a book, but here I am. And here then, you are, <laughs> you know, the TEDx thing just seemed like the next logical step in the process. Nice. So that'd be awesome. Very cool. Cool. All right. So people want to get in touch with you. How can they find you? Where are you online? What's your, your website? 
Uh, I am at storyfyagency.com. Storyfy is S-T-O-R-I-F-Y agency.com. And um, for the listeners of the show, um, I think I think we have a landing page that will be at storyfyagency.com slash IB4E. Uh so that anybody wants to wants to download the first chapter of the book for free, that's the chapter that talks a lot about the neuroscience. So yeah. it gives you a great primer. Um, and um, yeah, and then you'll figure out if you like my sense of humor or not, because uh, <laughs> it is riddled with with humor. <laughs> it is. It's good, though. Like I said, it's it, it's a conversation. It's like my brother-in-law comes down, we play darts in my garage every Friday night. And that's what it felt like. Just, you know, just conversational. It's funny uh, and dry, dry sense of humor. Uh, yeah. Sarcastic. Very good. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks for that. Yeah. Okay. So storifyagency.com forward slash IB4E. Yeah. Very cool. Good job. And can they get to your book from there? Can they order your book? Yeah. The, um, yeah. So they can, if they just put in their email or name and email, they can mm-hmm. get the first chapter, but there's also a, a, a link to Amazon. The book is on there in Kindle and paperback. It's $7.99 and hardcover. It's $14.99. And like I said, in the future, we'll get an audio book because that's already been requested several times. Like, Very cool. Awesome. Like I need something else on my plate. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Very cool. All right. And then uh, after you've been on your uh, TEDx, we'll have you back on. See how that went okay. for you. All right. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. It should be, should be interesting. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. All right. Seth Erickson, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Really appreciate you coming out and uh, listeners. Hope you guys were taking some notes. There's some good information here. Definitely recommend the book, how to hack humans. Get your story in line. All right. Um, And if you like this episode, make sure you share it with your family, friends, and colleagues. And stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.